Hi, this is Steve. One of the reasons I think John and I have so much fun recording The Cinephiles is that while we both have an equal passion for film, our perspectives and approaches to film are often quite different. And those differences lead to great conversations, and occasionally those conversations can get a little bit contentious. However, nothing has been quite so contentious as our reactions to the end of Clint Eastwood's Academy Award-winning Western, Unforgiven. And maybe the fact that Unforgiven can bring up such passionate and diverse responses is just one more indication of its greatness. You see, while there are all sorts of entertaining movies out there, the great ones stick with you. And the great characters, whether it's Charles Foster Kane, T.E. Lawrence, Michael Corleone, or Will Money in Unforgiven, remain on some level fundamentally unknowable. Who Will Money is at the end of Unforgiven is something we can never fully know, although John and I both have very strong opinions on the subject. You might agree with one of us, or neither, but that's what makes talking about great movies so much fun. Of course, you won't have any opinion if you've never seen the film, so I highly recommend visiting our website, cinephiles.net, that's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S.net, where you can buy or stream Unforgiven along with every other movie we've ever discussed. So, that's our intense, but fun, discussion of Unforgiven Part 2, this Friday, on The Cinephiles. Well, sir, you are a cowardly son of a bitch. You just shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself. He's going to decorate his saloon with my friend. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where we continue our exploration of Clint Eastwood's Academy Award-winning Western, Unforgiven. When we left Will Money, Ned Logan, and the Schofield Kid, a storm had come, and they were riding through the rain into the town of Big Whiskey. You all right there, Will? Uh, and speaking of the rain, we're out in it. Uh, Ned and the kid are drinking some whiskey, and they look up at a train going by, and who's on the train? English English Bob. All leaned up against the window. I wonder what happens to him after this. I think he's kind of broken. You think so? Yeah, but but he could put on the show again. That's the thing. I think he goes back to being what he's being, but I because I, I, some guys like that are just... They're built to be that, and they have no other identity but that. And so I think once he heals, he'll slowly find somebody else to be his sycophant and bring his ego back up, and he'll be in a situation, and he'll go back to shooting Chinamen, which were much easier than shooting real people who were putting guns at him. Technically, Chinese people are real people. No, I'm saying, no, but I'm saying in his mind is <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying. I know, I know. No, not real. Again, they offer Will the drink. He says no, but what he is doing is starting to cough. Yeah. Yeah. And we ride up to a sign, and that's that no firearms in town, welcome to Big Whiskey. And Which our... they couldn't see in the darkness and the rain. And sure. Like that, right? And back with our lady, someone's asking for Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, who would who would come in out of this rain? And of course, Randy. who it is? <laughs> it must be real Randy. Come out in the store. It's the Schofield kid. Yeah. And now, Bill is full on telling stories to Beauchamp. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just on stage. Now, when he saw the rest of them wasn't going to help him none, they started crying and, and sobbing and just carrying on. Yeah. He's thinking, oh, Bill, please, oh, God, please don't kill me, Bill. Please don't kill me, Bill. I said, Jim, it just makes me sick. And Beauchamp is loving it. And what Bill is talking about is basically the people that are full of shit. Yeah. Is some guy with a Henry rifle and two guns and, you know, just crying like a baby because, you know, this is not the real deal. Right. And this separation 
um, between the real killers and not the real killers. Right. And he says, I can't abide men sporting pistols and acting like bad men without any sand or character. I do not like assassins. Assassins. Or men of low character. Yeah. Like your friend English Bob. And the author is scribbling all this down. This yeah. is great, great material. But the thing he does say is it's not that Bob Bob was not a coward. No, no. Um, and one other thing we say is that we're sitting in uh, Bill's house. Yeah. Uh, he's got some pots in his hand because the roof is leaking. And now the roof has started actually leaking on the, the papers. Yeah. And Bill has run out of receptacles. And Beauchamp's response is, you should hang the carpenter. And then just like <laughs> silence. And he doesn't know what he said. No, of course not. And the tension level just goes to 100. And he repeats himself. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And now there's a knock on the door saying that three fellows just rode into town. Yeah. Uh, and they're looking for the first for Strawberry Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least two of them got guns. So who do you think is selling them out? Oh, it could be any. I mean, it could be anyone. Anybody in Skinny Saloon? I mean, we saw there's like seven deputies. Yeah, true. It's not that big a town. But I just wonder who's in the bar when they show up to ask about Strawberry Alice. Or who's in the saloon? And this is the thing, is I think the town, none of the, the town is not on the side of the prostitutes. No. None of them are. They want the status quo. Right. They want little Bill to do what he's doing. Of course. You know? And so, you know, they don't want gunslingers coming and shooting. And, and, and honestly, I think the attitude of most of the town is that these are you know, sub subhuman people yeah. that don't need protection. Right. We're in the bar. Ned and Will are waiting, wondering what's keeping the kid, which I think is because he's uh, availing himself of the services of the house. Getting a free one. That's when Ned notices that Will looks like shit. Yeah. He is seriously sick. Yeah. He has got some bad fever, and he starts talking about this guy he shot, and his head was broke open, <laughs> and you could see inside it, and he's hallucinating. He's hallucinating. And Ned kind of goes, I really wish he wouldn't leave his friend at this moment, but he kind of goes, maybe I'll go up and check on the kid. <laughs> and hey, you wouldn't mind if I sort of, you know. Well, uh, look, if I was to, uh, I mean, if it worked out that I could take a little time for myself, I, I don't suppose you would. I mean, you wouldn't. Uh, I guess you wouldn't want to come. Ned is very sex obsessed in this whole movie. He is. Um, it's so awkward and it's so funny um and he even kind of goes like you want to you could too yeah it's just that great cold look from will yeah that is not something he's gonna do and this is this one moment where i think the townspeople all watch and ned go upstairs yeah and i that's the one moment where i think race is a factor like this black man is going to go up and sleep with our prostitutes right. they don't they don't seem very happy about that and the camera tilts down to will who's staring at that bottle and he reaches for that glass and he pushes it away yeah. because we're not ready. It's not that time yet. That time's coming. Yeah. Um, and the, but why do you think he gets sick? Like, what's that all about? Because it just comes on all of a sudden. I think he got sick. It's all of a sudden. I mean, people get sick. He's out in the rain. Didn't have any whiskey to fortify himself. Okay. What do you think it means? What do you think is going on? <sighs> I think it's like inner turmoil that's causing him to. I think there's a. I think the town has made him sick. It's the struggle, the weakness, the ba- he's using so much of his strength to fight off mm. his instincts that maybe his guards are down or his vulnerabilities sure. down or whatever. And this is all just symbolism, you know, it's just, but he gets sick as soon as he gets into that town, all of a sudden, as soon as he, as he's getting closer, he's getting more and more sicker, right? Yeah. And he becomes fully sick once he gets in that town and the town can't be that far away. So like he, 
he acquires this with the rain and everything else, fully becomes sick as he gets in that town. It is, it is because that town is the sickness that he has to fight off. Um, I think that argument it can totally be made. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I hadn't thought about it before, but you know, the guy is literally fighting demons within himself. Exactly. And it's a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. And that he just, you know, this is the, the battle is raging inside mm-hmm. of him. I think that argument can totally be made. And who knows what the swine stuff, the hogs had, maybe he got, I mean, he's the one in that slop with them falling down. Maybe some of that. Yeah. They, they all, all have fevers. They all have I mean, fevers. Yeah. Do you know, by the way, that one, that one the main reason that or one of the many reasons why so many Native Americans died from things like smallpox is because they didn't sleep with hogs. It's because what? Because they didn't sleep with animals. Oh. Is that because we had domesticated animals and frequently literally having pigs living in the same house with the people that were raising yeah, them yeah. is that a lot of those diseases come from animals. And so we had oh. developed immunities to all of these things from having domesticated animals around us for eight or 9,000 years. Right. And because native Americans didn't uh, have that same immunities because those, those diseases hadn't uh, come on the, uh, in the Americas that we showed up. And that's why the estimates of how many millions of people died from the disease that came from Europeans is, I mean, anywhere from five to 40 million you know, I mean, because we we don't have good numbers on what the census right. of of people living in the Americas were, yeah. Um, and those diseases move fast, yeah. But it could have been like as bad as the Black Plague in Europe, you know. Anyway, that's a digression. It's terrible. Man. So, so theoretically, Will should be immune to lots you of think. diseases. That's a good point. Um, anyway, Bill walks in, and there are a whole bunch of guns on Ned on Will right away. Yep. And his first response is, "I'm not drunk. I ain't drunk." Yeah. Because that's what he thinks. He doesn't quite understand what's going on. Um, and they want him to turn over his guns. Uh, and at first he says, uh, you know, and they give him like, maybe he didn't see the sign because of right. the weather. And he says he's not armed. And that the guys upstairs, they're not armed either. This is all a lie. Absolutely. Or in his hallucination or whatever, he thinks he's not armed and the guys are not armed upstairs. Yeah, I think it's a lie. Okay. Because the next thing they ask him what his name is and he gives a fake Oh, that's name. true. William yeah, Hendershot. Yeah. William Hendershot. Well, Mr. William Hendershot, what if I was to say you was a no good son of a bitch and a liar? And then if I was to say that you shit in your pants because of a cowardly soul, I bet you'd show me that pistol right quick, wouldn't you? You'd shoot me dead. Isn't that so? And his response is, maybe, I guess, but the fact is I ain't carrying the firearm. Um, and they have him get up and pistols cock and Beauchamp is watching and he gets up shakily. Mm-hmm. He is not in good shape. No, he's not. He is in bad, bad shape. And Bill searches him, finds the gun and sort of like, what is this for snakes or something? <laughs> well, we don't have snakes around here. And then he says it ain't loaded, which is a stupid lie. Because that's a you know don't you should never by the way all you liars out there yeah. don't lie about things that are easily checked yeah that is a bad plan and I don't think we're surprised at all about what happens next mm-hmm. because of what happened to English Bob right he does the same thing he starts to beat him up yep you see Mr Beauchamp this is the kind of trash get off. and there's a moment where Will goes and grabs a bottle like he's gonna fight yeah. back yeah but it doesn't no. work out nope. And he beats him right to the ground. And he says, you find these kind of people all over, but you won't find them in the town of Big Le- uh, Whiskey. Um, and what's happening upstairs? 
they're all getting ready, getting dressed and trying to jump out the window because yeah. they hear the commotion downstairs. Yeah, and so Ned and the kid slide out onto the roof mm-hmm. into the rain, yeah. and they jump down outside, and Will is crawling on the floor, yeah. and he's really, he's barely sliding his belly across the floor. Yeah. And finally, Bill says, Let the man out, W.W. He's desiring to leave the hospitality of big whiskey behind him. <laughs> just, and a big smile for him. Yeah. It's a great moment. And Beauchamp gets out of the way, and Will crawls out the door and rolls down into the mud. And who does Bill go talk to next? Strawberry Alice. Alice. Yeah. Slaps her right in the face. Yep. Um, because in his mind, she caused all this. Yeah, of course. In his mind. Yeah. Well, she sent the money out. I mean, there's a there's a there's a series of cause and effect. Yeah. You know. You know, and this is I mean, this I, this is the thing. I know I said it before. This is the problem that's so problematic in these movies. In this movie, it's a series of events mm-hmm. of which many of the things that people do are understandable. Yeah, that lead to terrible, terrible consequences. Right. Um, and her response is, "They're just guys. You just beat up an innocent man." Yeah. And he says, "Innocent, innocent, and what? Innocent of what? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird moment." Well, because they slept with a prostitute. So in his mind, he judges them for sleeping. Oh, you think that's what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think he's he's inferring that they're not innocent guys if they would come in the rain and have sex with prostitutes. So he's implying that they're not really that good stock anyway to do this. This Little Bill would never do this. But the fact that they would, he has his like righteous moment to fight back of what Strawberry Alice is saying. Because remember, there's a crowd in this room now. And so Strawberry Alice is getting the best of Little Bill. And so his only response in this debate is that... It's funny. That never occurred to me. It makes mm. perfect sense. Yeah. What I sort of thought of it was Bill's basic view of humanity is humans suck. Oh. Is that everybody's walking around with their crimes inside. That's mm. not... There's no... Nobody's innocent. That's sort of what I thought it was. That's certainly possible, too. Um, well, again, yeah. this is what's fun about movies. Yep. Um, uh, Ned and the kid, they find Will slumped over his horse and they get him out of there. And then it's the next day, I think. And Ned is kind of tending to Will, yeah. uh, which apparently he's done before. And man, Will is messed up. Yeah. He is out of it. Um, and the kid just goes, well, his pistol must have jammed. That's the only way he could see that this would be Paul. He would never have gotten, this would never happen without shooting. Because mm-hmm. he's got these romantic notions. Yeah. And it's a little bit later and some of the prostitutes are there. They've obviously... Brought them food yeah. and other favors sure. for them to give, sure. which we will call freebies. Free ones. Yeah, free ones, which they're not technically free ones because really it's an advance on the Yeah, payment. advance is right. Their yeah. advance is right. Um, uh, Ned asks for more food because he thinks it's going to take at least three days. And the kid is like, let's go do this now. And Ned's, I'm not doing anything yeah. without Will, which I think is two things. I think one thing is that he's my partner. Right. He's the leader. I'm not going to do anything without him. And the other thing is... Does Ned somewhere inside him know that he doesn't have, that he's not that killer anymore? Maybe. Uh, I think it's also, he ain't going to ride with somebody who doesn't know like this kid and he doesn't trust Oh, yeah. Kid no, that's definitely, absolutely. Yeah. That's totally true. Um, Will kind of wakes up. Mm-hmm. He's seen the angel of death. He's got snake eyes. Oh, Will. Who's got snake eyes? It's the angel of death. scared of dying easy partner easy i mean he is really deep in the fever Mm -hmm. and he sees his wife and and ned's kind of like oh well that's good he's like no her face was all covered with worms 
Oh, Dad, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm dying. And then this moment, which is, I don't, it's one of the most vulnerable moments I've ever seen on Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You, you, no, don't tell nobody. Don't tell my kids. None of the things I tell you. It's like the fever is burning out the last of one part of who he is. Yeah. He's going through the angel of death. He's going through death and the experience of death to come out the other side Mm -hmm. as this other person. Well, he comes out a more whole person than he's ever been before. Yeah. Accepting that he has this gear, which we find at the end, and also knowing he can be a good person if he chooses to be. And that, to me, is real power. And that's why the whole arc of this journey of wills is so powerful to me because, you know, I, I've done stuff in my past. I feel guilty about, and I've changed a lot since then through therapy and what have you. But like, that's why the movie moves me so much and who he comes out the other side, you can tell yourself that you've made these changes, but if you only made these changes that are cosmetic, they don't last too long. It's when you make the changes from internally out that they really last and can be more powerful in your life. And you can accept that, yes, this thing that I used for evil I, or whatever I did back then that was my anger, I can actually use that for good when I need it, But I can, and I can also forgive myself and be a good person in the long run and for this rest of the years. And so that's what I see with Will in this moment. He is going through his own, like, like you said, the fever is burning out this old vestiges of Will that were the guilt of what he'd done. And what we get when he climbs out of this fever is a more, uh, a more fully realized will. Definitely agree that he's a more fe- fully realized will. Mm-hmm. The question, and this is really part of the movie, right, is whether or not he's a good person. I think he is. By I, I, well, well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I mean, the <laughs> I think I think he is a cold blooded killer at the end. Yeah. You know, and. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into it. It's a really, it's really complicated, and I think this is where the relationship of taxi driver is really clear. Yeah, because both of them end with really violent sequences, mm-hmm. and to me, both of them are like, I don't know how I feel about this. From supposedly noble, for supposedly noble, supposedly reasons. noble reasons yeah. against people that are clearly morally fraught. Yes, you know, morally problematic, and may deserve death. I, I'm not big on deserving death. That's that's one I worry with. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you said that. You said that so <laughs> condescendingly. No, no, poor little kid. We're just different. Who doesn't understand. No, that. no, that's you perceiving that. I, I'm <laughs> saying we're just different in that way. Um. Anyway, so he has this moment, this fever dream, mm-hmm. and uh, and later on we got Ned and the kid talking. And the kid's like, "Is he gonna die?" And Ned goes, "Maybe." And then it's like, "Well, what will we do?" Well, then we bury him. Yeah. It's like, "We know what do we do about the job?" That's all the kid cares about. That's. But it's so funny. He's pinned so much of his. It's not just the monetary yeah. dreams. It's he. This is my identity that I have decided to have. Right. In order to get this identity, I have to kill these people, and I need Ned to. I, he can't do it alone. Right. Like, dude, if you really wanted to do this, why aren't you just going to kill them by yourself? And the answer is because he can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He's like, look, all you have to do is you got the good eyes, you see them, and I'll ride up and shoot them. And Ned's like, well, just like that. I told you I'm a damn killer. I've done it before. I'm more of a killer than he is, anyhow. Yeah? Yeah. Beautiful shot of that Snowden cabin now. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. And Delilah's tending to Will, and now he wakes up. Yeah. I thought she was an angel. <sighs> you ain't dead. And then he says... 
I must look kind of like you now. And you see her take that in and what she thinks that means. Yeah. Because she's essentially been told that now that her face is scarred, she's worthless. Yeah. You don't look nothing like me, mister. No offense, but... And then he realizes she's got to be the one the Cowboys cut up mm -hmm. and finds out that Ned and Kid are out scouting. They did this one. His fever broke. And then he's been out for three days. Yeah. Later on, we're sitting in front of the cabin and he's looking out at the world at that moment of, I thought I was dead. Yeah. And now this is a rebirth. You know, he sees the world new again. I love this scene. It's a really good scene. Because the whiteness of the snow. Yeah. Obviously, and him sitting there on the edge eating and he said, I would have never seeing the trees that had never this kind of country I'd have never taken in. But yeah. now as you're right, he's born again. He's born again. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And he finds out that they still have the payment, except that there've been free ones, which have been taking a little bit of money out of that <laughs> payment. Free ones. Yeah. And she offers him a free one, which is a really sweet moment by this actress. Very well done. The physicality Great. of it. She opens her, uh, shawl a little bit to kind of showcase her body a little bit and say to him, you know, if you, if, if you wanted to have a free one, you could have one with me or you could have a free one. And then when he turns her down, he rejects her. He doesn't reject, he rejects the notion of it. Well, for she, her, from her perspective, from her perspective, she rejects rejection. her. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't mean with me. I meant, uh, Alison Silky would be happy to give you a free one if you wanted. And I love the shot. Once again, he uses this, uh, what do they call it, Steve? In, where the person's like in frame close and the person in the background, rack focus shot? Is that what it is? Yeah, actually, that shot? I think they have a split diopter on it because they're both yeah. pretty much in focus. Yes, they're both in focus. Yeah. And you can see her reacting to what he's saying. And he's just talking about his wife and how he wouldn't do that well, and blah, blah, blah. Well, and it's it's, it's amazing and moment. That she's because, beautiful. Because, yeah, that's, that's the thing is that she offers herself, which I think is so kind yeah. and loving yeah. and compassionate a gesture. Yeah. And he rejects it. And she feels he rejected her, and she's still hurting from what he said before. Right. I must look like you now. Right. And he goes, no, no, no. Oh, I didn't mean I... I didn't want to free one on account of you being cut up and all. And w what I said the other day about you looking like me, that ain't true. You ain't ugly like me. It's just that we both have got scars. But you're a beautiful woman, and if I was to want to... A free one. I'd want it with you, I guess, more than the mother too. Which is also interesting, I think, is that again we talked about at the very beginning is Clint Eastwood, who was a good-looking stud, mm -hmm. allowing himself to look ugly yeah. in his mind, you know, and to frame it that way. And he says, you know, if I would, I would with you, yeah. but I can't because I'm being true to my wife. Right. And that's deeply touching to her mm -hmm. because he's a better man in her mind now. He's a better man than almost all the men that she's. Matt. Right. And she goes, oh, is she back in Kansas? Yes. She's watching over my young ones. Well, this is why I argue he is a good person. Oh, Will Money wouldn't have had that conversation as deftly and kindly and sweetly as he had, even though he still has that gear now, he, he's going, which he's going to use. In that moment, when he has a scene with her, he has come out from this fever, a good person with the ability to call on his evilness when he needs it. Well, I don't think it's binary. I mean, just as I put the scale of taking a drink and killing people, mm -hmm. there's no question he is a good person in this scene. Yeah. Absolutely. He does this out of compassion and gentleness. but Which old Will Money wouldn't have done. Sure. But he's still a cold-blooded killer.
Okay. Yeah, well, this is, you know, like if you go, okay, here's this person who was really, really nice to this prostitute in this one scene, and then he killed 12 people. Is but that a good person? He, but he didn't kill women and children. He killed two people. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. That'll be the argument we have. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we both agree that it's a great scene. It is a very good scene, a very yeah. sweet scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're out with some ranchers, including our uh, young guy who had offered the not mangy pony. Yep. And there's a gunshot. <laughs> And the horse goes down, and that guy go, goes down under the horse, mm-hmm. breaking his leg. Yeah. Horse has been shot, and we kind of expect there to be another shot, mm-hmm. and there's not. And we see Will and Ned and the kid. They're up in the rocks, and the kid, of course, can't see a thing, so he doesn't know what's going on. He ain't dead? You didn't get him? Got the boy's horse. Better finish him before he gets clear. And Ned's there. He's got his Spencer rifle. He's aiming, and he is not shooting. Also, Will is clearly the leader now. Absolutely. Very clear. And the moment, you know, it's, he's like, are you going to shoot? Are you going to shoot? And Ned doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot. And then finally, Morgan Freeman looking up at Will and says, Will, Will I? And then Will takes the rifle away from mm-hmm. That is great acting. Great setup. Because yep. he's not a killer anymore. Nope. It's not in him. The only gun he can empty is in his pants. <laughs> and the thing that he... wow. Well, that's what I'm saying. And the other thing, and the thing that's great about it is that Will doesn't want Ned to look bad in front of the kid. Right. So he takes the rifle quickly and says, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not a good shot yeah. with one of these things. Yeah. And he shoots. Yeah. And he misses. And then he asks, how many more shots do I have? And Ned, it takes a while for Ned to even answer because he's deep in a, some kind of state. Mm-hmm. And then finally we find out there's two more shots. And he fires again. And he misses. And then he fires again and hits him just as he's going behind the rocks. And you hear the guy go, ooh. Yeah. yeah. But we don't quite know, has he killed him? Right. Has he not killed him? And, of course, the kid's going, what happened? What happened? Is he dead? Is he not? He's so annoying in the scene, the kid. Oh, terrible. Like, shut up, you blind ass. Well, it's hard to be blind when you're with a bunch of snipers. Yeah, I know. Like, why is he even out with the snipers? Um, and it ends up we did get him. And we got him in the belly. And the kid is calling out and screaming. I'm dying, boys! I think you shouldn't have cut up no woman, you asshole! And this guy is calling out for water. He's bleeding. And and no one's going to bring him any water. And finally, Will yells out, Will you give him a drink of water, for Christ's sake? We ain't going to shoot. And they go, you ain't going to shoot? And he goes, no. And this guy, very scared, Mm -hmm. goes out with the water. You better not shoot. And I'll say, again, this this is a moment where he is being good. To the person he just killed. Mm-hmm. This is not being good, though. He's, no, he's being compassionate. To the person he just killed. Sure. Yeah. Right. This guy does not deserve to die. That's your opinion. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Well, and, and to go off and kill somebody when you have no evidence, you don't know anything really about what happened at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. is not being a good person. Okay. <laughs> you think it's okay? Yeah. You hear a rumor that someone... I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the world of the film. And okay. in the world of film, that's what I'm addressing. And in the world of the film, I think he's doing what he was, uh, what he agreed to do to get the money for his kids. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. killing people to get money is not a good thing to do. Either. Sure. If you're talking in the abstract, once again, I'm talking about the world of the movie. Okay. In my mind. Sure. That's the only thing I'm addressing. Well, we do say over and over again that he is a horrible person who has killed all sorts of people Absolutely. in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But redemption is also important, too, in life. Sure. I do not think this is a movie about redemption. What? Fascinating. Okay. It's not. Okay. I think this is a morally ambiguous movie about violence. Okay. Yeah. 
John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Um, okay, they ride away. Um, and we kind of hear that the plan is to ride away and then they're going to double back mm -hmm. to get the other guy. Right. Except Ned's not going back. Nah, Ned can't do it anymore. He's heading back to Kansas. Yeah. You want the Spencer wheel? This ain't no time to quit, Ned. You know, you're going to lose your share, Ned. Shut up. I'll see you, Will. So long, kid. And Will rides after Ned, hands in the rifle and says, don't worry, I'll get you your share. Kid's full of shit. Kid's full of shit. Yep. And Ned's gone. Yeah. And back in town, little Bill hears about the shooting. And by the way, he's on his roof doing some roof repairs. And now they've got a description of three riders and they're putting together a posse and the ladies find out that it really happened. One of the people is dead. Yeah. And, and Delilah, she kind of talks about how she come to like them. And she talks about how Will's being true to his wife, right. to which Alice says, Wife? He ain't got no wife. Oh yes, he does. I he told you, it. he ain't got no wife. Not above ground anyways. This is where we see that Strawberry Alice is not as pure in her intention as we see at the beginning of the movie also. We explore Strawberry Alice has a roughness to her, a brusqueness to her that is can walk dangerously close to using the woman the, who's been cut up for her own purposes. Well, that's what I think that's what I've thought yeah. through the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, she she has she is an angry person. Yes. And and she has every reason to be angry. Sure. But this is why I think Delilah is reluctant from the scene where they're putting the money together. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going, I want to pay to have these men killed. Right. right. I think she has real strong issues with it. Yeah. And the fact and, and the painfulness of what happens to Delilah, in addition to her face getting cut up, right. and then the the veil and the talking about her as property that's now been damaged, yeah. and then the scene with Will where he says, I look like you now, and then the rejection of her, and what saved her, that moment for her is the wife. Yeah. And then Alice just took that away. Yeah. Just now, shit's all over. It just, yeah. And, and now Alice doesn't didn't quite know maybe what she was doing. Yeah, but Alice isn't also a compassionate person. She's not. No. She's not. And she is the motivator behind the movement to kill these two guys. Right. You know, and this is why I think that it's a morally complicated movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, we, I, I don't think we can just go, Will's being a hero, you know? Yeah, I don't think I've said he's a hero. I don't like, think he's, he's a hero either. You said he's a good man. I think he comes out of it a good person, yes. Okay. 
And then a big rock comes through the window. Yeah. And they yell out, he had it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking mob. So much guts that they throw a rock through the window of a woman's place. Yeah. That's such a, what a great town full of great people. Supposedly good people. Well, it's certainly not a great town full of good people. That's right. Yeah. But I don't think that kid deserved to die. That's fair. You keep saying it over and over again as if, like, are you going to convince right, me? Right, but we don't know who threw that rock. Uh, yeah. if, if, if that was your friend yeah. you were out with on the range and he got killed because some women put a price on his head those, where he didn't deserve it, you don't think you would think about throwing a rock through their window? Those aren't part of the town, those people. Those are doing, those guys You don't know who threw else. the rock through the window? I know, but I'm saying the people who were, the, the guys who were riding with uh, and doing the stuff out there uh, outside of the town. Right, they're at some ranch. Yeah, yeah. That, they're not part of the town. So they're not my friends. I wouldn't know these guys. Nothing. Like, right, but you don't know so who threw the rock through the window. I don't, but it's a townspeople that creates a mob, and someone from that mob threw a rock through the window. Well, I think it could easily be someone from the ranch. And we, we, you have no idea what relationship. You don't know who threw that rock. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that the, it could be the brother of the guy that got killed. So you're saying everybody in that mob is, uh, is uh, uh, all from the ranch? No, I'm saying I don't know who they are. But they certainly would be from the town, don't you think? Well, this is a, a small town surrounded by ranches, mm-hmm. one assumes. So I don't know who is on the town, who's in the... I don't know any a, of these that's people. That's a convenient, ambiguous thing to think about this, to uh, excuse someone throwing the rock, to say, to, well, I don't know who was there. Well, I don't that's, know who threw the rock. Okay, I'm saying, saying, but the film I'm implies saying, that those are townspeople. The film implies it. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying there's perfectly good motivations for someone to be pissed off about this kid getting killed. Sure. Yeah. And then throwing a rock through the window. So you well, think it's okay for them to do that? I don't think it's okay for people to throw rocks. But I also don't think that it's... I also think it's perfectly motivatable to be really angry about this guy getting killed. Sure. Who? who why not? Yeah. Who's saying that? It's certainly... I, the anger I won't take away. The action of the anger is what I have an issue with. Sure. I don't have... I, the anger of the prostitutes be, mm-hmm. about this woman getting cut up, I don't have an issue with. Mm-hmm. The action of them hiring people to kill two men, I have sure. an issue with. Yeah. So we're Clearly. we're in total agreement. Well, no, and stop trying to make us in total agreement. <laughs> Just live in a world of disagreement. That's okay too. Um, cowboy rides up to Bill. We got one of them. Yes, and there's and they roughed him up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. so bad. And here's what we do with race. It's there on the fringes. Absolutely, I agree. It's there. Yeah, and and what's so what's so horrible is we love Ned. Yeah. So even the off camera, then we roughed him up a little bit. But why do you love Ned? Well, because, because you didn't see him hear stories of exactly. killing women and children. Exactly. But he's there with, with Will when he agree. does it. I don't think Ned's a good man. I, or I don't think Ned was a good man. But you said you love him. Yeah, it's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> You're copping out like crazy all over this shit. I don't think but I'm copping out. I, 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 he's a good person. So what? I can't say Clint Eastwood's a, good, a hero. because I, I, can't, I can't say Will Money's a hero because Clint Eastwood's playing him. No. Well, then why can't why, why can, you know? Because you just said he's not a good person. But you just said you love Ned because it's Morgan Freeman. So which is the character and which is the actor? That's what I'm saying to you. I think you're missing some of the point here. No, I think you want me to miss the point. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're saying... When you cast Morgan Freeman in a role, that yeah. has an effect. He is an extremely likable actor. So is Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood is not an extremely likable actor like Morgan Freeman. I would disagree with you. Dirt, Dirty Harry percent. and the man with no name are not like, you know, you don't have cast Clint Eastwood as the voice in March of mm-hmm. the Penguins the way you cast Morgan Freeman. They have a very, very True. different. That's a fair point. Yeah. They, they are very different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. The, the hard edge of Clint Eastwood 
is difficult in Dirty Harry and yeah. a lot of these movies. Well, see Morgan Freeman in Street Smart, then you see a whole sure, other version sure. of Morgan Freeman. But the way we've seen, well, and this, I think this is a really important point, mm. which is that backstory that we hear about, yeah, and what characters seem like when they we meet them have yeah. a very different effect on us as an audience. Agreed. And so Morgan Freeman has been likable throughout this whole film, yeah. And so, and that is why I like him. Okay. I know if if what is true about him in the past is that he's not a good person, or he was not a good person. Maybe he's been a good person for the last ten years. Sure. But but in the past, he did horrible, horrible things. Right. But I like him. I I care about him and compassion about him. I like Will too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like I can like all sorts of like, for instance, Hannibal Lecter as horrible as a character as you can imagine. Yeah. And yet I'm with him in silence of the lambs multiple times. And it's like, it's the difference between movie liking someone and actually liking someone. In That's real life. what I've been saying the whole time. No, what you said is that will is a good man at the end of the movie. Yeah, Cause I movie like him. In the movie. Yes. I never say Hannibal Lecter is a good man. Yeah. Nor I would can you. like him. Why would you? He still goes on eating people at the end. Right. So he's not a good man. Right. And Will does not. Will exacts vengeance as he sees fit, which we'll get to. I don't yeah. want to jump the gun, but so to speak. But he exacts vengeance yes. as he sees fit for the corruption in that town. He is the avenging angel in Absolute. this movie. That is 100% true. That's what he is to me. That's why yeah. I can excuse what he does, because he's an avenging angel. There's a He's coming from a place that punishment needs to be doled out to these people for the way that they've run this town. Yes. I, I, I agree with everything That's you said. That's my whole point. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. We're back in. Yes, we're back in. <laughs> <laughs> Disagreement's okay, man. Um, so while that's going on, yeah. Will and the kid, they don't know that they got Ned. And they're sneaking up on the ranch house at night, kind of watching what's going on. And inside, Mike, Big Mike, is just joking. Yeah, This is the guy they're after, the guy that cut up Delilah. And he's just joking. And there's a lot of guys in there with guns, including like some deputy-type people. And they're all like excited. They're all yeah. happy to be going out to hunt these guys down. Yep. They're so excited to be going on this little adventure yep. to kill and hunt down these guys. Yep. Well, and again, this is how, like, there is nobody in this movie. The violence is everywhere. Like, there's very few characters in this movie where I would say, oh, there's the good people. Right, right, right. I don't think they're here. Maybe the little kids and and Ned's wife. I would say all the prostitutes except for maybe Strawberry Alice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, certainly certainly Delilah. Yeah. And they bring Ned into town. Hands tied behind his back. They toss Bill the rifle. So, Ned, you want to tell me and Mr. Beauchamp here... uh, all about your two villainous friends, I guess. Probably glad to hear the names and whereabouts of those murderous son of bitches. And they take him inside. Yeah. The dread of this film at this point is just really brutal. Yeah. It takes a real dark turn here. Yeah. Uh, it's the next morning. Will and the kid are sitting outside talking about it being ripe. Yeah. And essentially what they're doing is they're waiting for the guy to come out to take a shit. Yep. That is their, that is their plan. Yep. Men generally shit in the morning. I guess that's the theory. Damn right it is. I mean, it is for me. It is for me too. It's very regular. I don't think it's a theory. So, so <laughs> it, just, it just seems like a, a somewhat thin strategy for killing someone. But, but I, I guess they have they have a, you know this plan's going to work, he's and they're waiting, cool. and he's not coming out, and we're back with little Bill who's whipping Ned. Oh, awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the imagery of yeah. a white man whipping a black man tied to yeah. steel. Yeah. To get information is just uh, horrific. And you hear the sound go out out of the jail and the, the, the ladies are hearing it. It is really tough. And Bill starts asking questions. Ned gives him some fake names. 
Of course, Beauchamp has been taking notes and those names don't match the names he gave before. And he says that he wants to bring the prostitutes back in. And Ned, them whores are going to tell different lies than you. And when their lies ain't the same as your lies, well, I ain't going to hurt no woman. But I'm going to hurt you. Not gentle like before, but bad. It is a... And there's a great reaction from Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Finally, the guy gets up to go, and they're like, "Well, let's send someone with you." Yeah. He's got his gun with him. He's like, "Come on, I don't, I don't need anybody." He's a jerk about it. He is a jerk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We can't feel bad for this guy. Nope. Um, and he heads out, and the kid goes, "Well, am I going to shoot him?" And <laughs> Will says, "Ain't going to shoot himself." Yeah. All right, kid, go get him. He's all yours. And inside, a, another guy gets up to go out with a gun. And the kid opens the door of the outhouse, draws his gun. Nobody there. Nobody there. <laughs> and the guy at the ranch house yells, Assassins! Will opens fire. Oh! Kid opens up the other door. Uh, Mike is reaching for his gun, and the kid shoots him three times. No. No, no! It's a great shot, too, again, right? Because... Eastwood moves the camera in close up to the kid and you see the other guy like on the shitter completely out. And he uses a, he uses a God's eye view to show how alone the guy is in the shitter. And then boom, the shots explode on the dude's chest and the kid mm -hmm. kills him. The kid flat out. There's no question about it. Kills him four, shoots him like three or four times. Oh yeah. And we're running away yeah. and we'll ask you get him. And he says, yeah. Mm. And the performance, the quavering voice of his, yeah, is a sign of things to come. Because the kid pauses before he shoots. That's yeah. why the rack folk, that's why the, it's such a brilliant move by the camera to go, it's going a quick close up on the kid because the kid hesitates. And right. then, and the guy is kind of begging for his life and then he shoots him. Yep. Because the kid doesn't have it in him to be a killer. Again, Will can't get on the horse. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Ask the kid to cover him. Great call. And he's that. like, how can I cover you? I can't see. He's like, just shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he does. And there's, uh, you know, they open fire back yeah. and they ride away under fire. And these guys don't chase them. Right. And later, we're under a tree. The kid's drinking whiskey and is asking. Was that what it was like in the old days, Will? Everybody riding out, shooting. Smoke all over the place, folks yelling, bullets whizzing by. I guess so. This is my favorite scene, by the way. It's a movie. fantastic scene. It's my favorite scene. and Because there's so much going on. I was even scared a little. Just for a minute. Was you ever scared in them days? I can't remember. I was drunk most of the time. And the kid's drinking, and he says, I shot that fucker three times. He's taking a shit, and he went for his pistol, and I blazed away. First shot, I got him right in the chest. And then he admits it. That was the first one. Mm -hmm. First one what? First one I ever killed. Yeah. And then he admits everything that he lied about these five guns. He hit the Mexican guy with a shovel. He didn't kill in the him. knee. In the knee. Yeah. And then he's starting to cry. I killed the hell out of him, didn't I? Three shots and he was taking a shit. Don't seem real. Yeah. What's great is this is full will money now. And 
Eastwood is with the wind and the craggle face mm-hmm. and the looking out away from the, he's not looking at the kid. He doesn't stare at the kid. He's looking away from the kid, looking out, to see if anyone's following the girl riding up on the horse. But he, this is full Western now. See, yeah. that's what's so great about the movie, Steve. In, even though it destroys the archetypes throughout the whole film, it still allows for some of the beauty of the Westerns to be there. And that scene of him standing there majestic in a way in his power uh, and ruthlessness, listening to the kid crying behind him while he's looking to make sure the woman isn't being followed. This is a, a Western man, like yeah. what you see the archetype of being, you know, yeah. so brilliantly it's done. Fun. It's funny. I was trying to decide if I think it does destroy the archetypes. I think it, I guess what I think it does is it opens up the archetypes mm-hmm. and roots around in them. And maybe that does destroy them. I mean, that's what I'm kind of going like. Well, that's what I mean. The romanticism of it. Yeah. Destroy, especially with the duck of death thing, you know, all yeah. of that. It's to destroy the romanticism. And then having Bill yeah. go right in, who's supposedly the arbiter of destroying the legends and show, tell you what's really happening. Here he is going on with his flowery stories. So that's the thing. Money is the actual real deal. It's what you said earlier. Money is the real deal. Everyone else is in a way not quite right. 100% real. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the kid goes on. It don't seem real. I ain't gonna never breathe again, ever. Now he's dead. And the other one, too. All on account of pulling the trigger. And Will's line back is one of the great lines of all time. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. Take away all he's got, and all he's ever gonna. Have. That's a great God. And please lay it in, because no way would I come close. But I, that line is everything to me, man. It's a hell of a thing killing a man. It's then you never hear that in any westerns. He was such a straightforward delivery of it, you know. Well, and this is the same thing Bill was saying. Bill was saying, right? You know, it's a big thing to kill someone. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone's up to really doing it. Even English Bob said it. When yeah. he's talking about the, uh, someone oh, trying right. to kill a queen. Oh, my God. You're totally yeah. right. It's not the same thing. Your hand shakes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. That, I never... I just was interpreting all that mm-hmm. as English Bob being a uh, just bullshitting. No, no. But no, he's talking about the same thing. This The barrier of real... And what happens to Ned when he's trying to shoot that guy. Exactly. Is that he's like, oh, he can't do that anymore. Right. You know? And and the kid takes solace in this idea of, well, I guess he had it coming. Yeah. And his response is, we all have it coming, kid. Well, and this this is what my sort of thoughts about uh, Bill saying innocent of what, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that idea that, well, and, and also there's That's another way to, yeah, these, there's, there's, there's another way to interpret it too, which is what the kid is saying is he had it coming because his sin, sins warranted his death. Right. You could also say death is coming for all of us. Yes, we all have it coming. It's coming. That's what I think Will is saying. Yeah. We all got it coming, kid. Because he just survived death. Yeah. Too. And uh, one of the prostitutes rides up with the money. Yeah. And there's sub talk about dividing up shares and going for Ned. And yeah. when he mentions Ned's name, it's just like, Ned's dead. Right. Which made me just go to Pulp Fiction, by the way. Um, <laughs> Ned's dead, baby. Ned's dead. Ned's baby. dead. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I love the way at first Will's like, no, he just left. Right. And she says something else. No, they, the bill caught him and they're beating him. And, and, and the moment of transition of Will realizing that it's true is very subtle. Yeah. And, and he goes, well, what happened? 
And it ends up they were beating him and Ned wasn't answering the questions. And then he hurt Ned so badly he did answer the questions and then he died. Yeah. They got a sign on him, says he was a killer. They got a sign on him? In front of Greeley's. A sign on him in front of Greeley's. It's awful. Mm -hmm. It's just so awful. And there's this moment where, do you think that Will made a decision to take a drink? Or do you think Will took a drink without making a decision? I think that's a very great question for this moment. I think it's the sign of that Clint Eastwood, the filmmaker, is showing you that Will Money is now instinctively Will Money. So yeah. instinctively he goes for the drink because he knows what he has to do. Yeah, I don't think he's in my – of course we don't know. But yeah. in my mind, I don't think he's conscious of taking that drink. No. I think he is becoming the person – That he used to be. That he used to be. Yeah. Yeah. That that is – and like, whether it's subconsciously he knows he needs that drink or right. I just whatever it is he's taking that drink right and and there's it's it's such a weird thing because it's like you know it's like Batman putting on the cape in some way <laughs> is that there's there's a yeah we've been told that this guy was a cold-blooded killer the scariest most dangerous man ever right and on some strange level we want to see it mm -hmm. you know we it's exciting to go, and we spent a long time, by the way, we've had a long, long movie to get to this point. Yes. We're very close to the end. As I said, I haven't seen the film, hadn't seen the film in a long time, and I had yeah. forgotten how long it is before this moment happens, before Scary Will yeah. comes back. But when he's taking that drink, there is a weird excitement, mm -hmm. like, oh shit, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. We're going to see this person that we've been hearing about. Mm -hmm. and, and one other thing that happens is when little Bill Hill hears the name Will Money, he recognizes him. Yep. Little Bill said the same William Money that dynamited the Rock Island and Pacific in 69, killing women and children and all. And Ned said he'd done a lot worse than that. And how if he hurt Ned again, he was going to come kill him. Like he killed a U.S. Marshal in 70. That didn't scare little Bill, did it? No, sir. And Will asks the kid for his Schofield, for his revolver, mm -hmm. and takes it, checks it, and the kid says, You go on, keep it. I'm never going to use it again. I ain't like you, Will. He's gone through this moment and made that decision yeah. that he's not going to be the Schofield kid, you know? And Will asks about the spectacles and the fancy yep. clothes, and nope. It's a great circle for the kid's arc. That Absolutely. He wanted to be this. And this is the truth. We Young kids walk out and they think they want to be this thing. But when they realize what this thing really is, happens in Goodfellas too, right? All of my life, I wanted to be a gangster. But all the shit Henry Hill experiences and right. sees as he becomes this gangster, it's not what he thought. It's the romanticism of what he thought. And I think that's the way the well, film... If only Henry Hill had had this epiphany much, much earlier. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, saved a lot of stuff. Well, exactly. Well, but I love this because this is one once again, this moment of destroying the romanticism of the West, this idea of wanting to be this killer, this ruthless, and I don't care about this sound now, this ruthless killer, this ruthless whatever, it's the destruction of it all because this is what it really is. Right. And, uh, and he's done with it. Yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a perfect character arc for him mm -hmm. is he comes in pretending to be a thing, yeah. wants everyone to believe that he's this thing, mm -hmm. thinks a certain thing about what it would mean to be that, and then when he becomes that, he rejects it. Yeah. 
you know, just in the exact same, mo- literally the exact same moment that Will is becoming the ultimate version of that. Right. You know, uh, that just made me think of something. You know what? It goes back to the same thing we've been talking about. I think this whole movie on some level is about the difference between the surfaces and what's inside. Yeah. And Will, for a long time, has been putting out 11 years, putting out this surface that he's been doing for his wife. Yeah. And then there's what's inside. And the kid for a while has been putting out this surface of the Schofield right, kid right. and then looks inside and goes, oh, that's not who I am. Right. And Bob has been putting out a surface yeah. and little Bill is putting that's out a surface. Right. Everybody's put, and the whole thing begins because the beautiful woman, her surface is damaged by the cut of the knife. Mm-hmm. And so it's this whole movie is this relationship between our facades and our realities yep. and how we feel about what is actually inside it's complicated. Yes. You know? Doesn't he say to him, like, don't worry, kid. I'm not going to kill you. He does. Yeah. He does. You don't have to worry, kid. I ain't going to kill you. You're the only friend I got. It's night. It's raining. The storm has come. Mm-hmm. Will says to take the money and give it to his kids. Mm-hmm. He gives some to Sally two trees. Yep. And, and he knows the kid will do it. Oh yeah, and he t- absolutely. He does. He trusts the kid now, and he says to the kid, "Keep, keep, steer clear of strangers." Yep, because they're gonna know you have this money, and or people you don't know, and blah blah blah. Do you think the kid at the beginning of the movie could be trusted with this? No, money? I don't think so either. Right. I think this kid is a hundred percent trustworthy. Yep. Uh, also, because you don't want to cross. The <laughs> exactly. Let's be really That's clear. another level to it. Too. He would have crossed the guy that was slopping with the pigs. Yeah, at the yeah, Beginning yeah. of the movie, but you're not crossing this guy. You're gonna kill little Bill, ain't you? And he is. He heads into town. Yep. And we see that bottle get tossed into the mud as he rides into town. And the score now becomes this ominous It score. is really creepy. Yeah. And he rides up to Greeley's and he goes by Ned's body and a sign in front of him that says, this is what happens to assassins mm. around here. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Uh, inside, Little Bill's making a little speech about, you know, what the posse's going to get and a free drink pay for the horses and all this stuff, and then Will enters in the foreground with a shotgun. Yeah. Beauchamp sees him, and Bill sees him, and everyone turns. And Will's got that shotgun aimed right at Bill. Who's the fella who owns this shit all? <laughs> um, and Skinny comes forward and says, I own the establishment. Bought it from Greeley for a thousand dollars. And Will says, you better clear out there. And all the people that are standing around Skinny they clear out. It's interesting. No one pulls a gun on Will. Nope. In that Why? Because they know. They've heard the legend of Will Money by now. And they Has see no this. one pulled a gun? No one's pulled a gun yeah. yet. And they see this presence in front of them. Yeah. And they understand whatever Little Bill is, this is, like you said, English Bob. Yeah. Little Bill is a whole other level. Little Bill is now in a oh, yeah. league with Will Money. Well, and the thing, too, I mean, this is the, the equation of this guy's got two shots and a shotgun. Yeah. Therefore... Wait, we got 10, 12 guys here. Only two of us can get killed, and then we can get him. Right. That's a really tough equation to re- to deal with. Mm-hmm. Re- you're really faced with, well, what if I'm the one who gets shot by right. the shotgun? Right. Like, it's it sounds like a good equation if that guy over there gets it, but I don't <laughs> like it so much if it's me. Exactly. Um, and so, man, they clear away from Skinny, and what does Will do? He measures him, man. Yeah. Measures him for the shot, then shoots him straight up. Just hold it right there. Hold it! Yep, there is. It is. It is. It is a execution. Absolutely execution. Yeah, 
And Bill's response is, Well, sir, you are a cowardly son of a bitch. You just shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself if he was going to go decorate in a saloon with my friend. Another great. great. Should have armed himself. Mm-hmm. That is that is great. And and again, with in the context of the movie, this is where I agree with you. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, you know, you just stuck a man as decoration up in front of your bar. Mm-hmm. You know, and treated these women like cattle. Absolutely, Skinny so, is a bad guy. Skinny's a bad dude. Yeah, he's a pimp. Yeah. Oh, fucking interesting. What? Is Will Bickle killing Kaitel like Bickle kills Kaitel? Is Will getting yes. skinny? Fascinating. No, well, this is well, and this is what's this is it's it's very similar. Um, this I was I'm glad you brought it up because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Is that Kaitel is a horrible fucking person? He is, and all those people that are running the prostitution, the yep. guy who runs the house, all those people yep. that Bickle shoots are bad people they are the old dude the old but it also doesn't feel good when bickle wipes him out well he yeah and taxi driver doesn't yeah. feel good i'm quite happy at the end of unforgiven so see i but i think the the people other than skinny yeah the other people that get killed are not at the level of badness as little uh, bill little bill totally evil right. guy right absolutely but the uh you mean the sheriffs and the deputies all, all those other guys mm-hmm. i mean they you know i don't they, i get it but they shot at him Absolutely. So they kind of risk in their lives by doing that. It is a, it is a, what I will say is it's a complicated moral place. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I won't disagree with you at all. Yeah. And then Bill kind of says his name. You're William Bunny. You killed women and children. And he says, That's right. I've killed women and children. Killed just about everything that walks or crawled at one time or another. And I'm here to kill you, little Bill, for what you did to Ned. It's funny, Beauchamp came with the poser, you know, who who was the real deal on some level, right? Traded him for a man who is way more the real deal. Yeah. And now he's face to face with the real deal. The real terrifying mm-hmm. what a real killer is like. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no uh veneer of decency or civilization with Will Money. Yeah. He is a stone cold killer. Yeah. He's not killing you to for civilization. He's not killing you to build the town. He doesn't have a code. He isn't he is just this is a fucking killer and he is going to kill you. You know it's like so for instance, English Bob he if Bill wanted to kill English Bob, he had to make sure English Bob got that dr- uh, the gun from mm-hmm. the writer. Mm-hmm. He wanted to kill him, but he can't just kill him in the jail cell. But Will Money could. Yeah. If he wanted that guy dead, he'd kill him. Yeah. Like there's no I don't need to make it look like self-defense. I want you dead. And that's what he wants right now. He wants little Bill dead. Yeah. And Bill says, All right, gentlemen. He's got one barrel left. When he fires that, take out your pistols and shoot him down like a mangy scoundrel he is. Which is pretty brave yeah. in its way. And Will pulls the trigger. Misfire. Misfire. Kill us, bitch. And Bill goes to draw his weapon. And just as he does, Will throws the shotgun at him. A whole bunch of people draw weapons. Mm-hmm. He drops to a knee, draws his own gun. And man, this gunfight just is crazy. Yeah. Well, like he said, uh, Will, I mean, uh, little Bill says earlier in the film, it's about keeping a cool head. Yeah. And he does. Because everyone else is just spraying shots all over the yeah. bar. Because they're nervous. They're scared. Yeah. And Will is just, yep. just methodically killing them all. Well, the, I mean, the, the, the term cold-blooded killer yeah. has a reason. <laughs> you know, like True. the... the 
it's funny. There are a couple times I haven't been in fights since I was a kid, mm. but I've broken up fights a few times. Mm -hmm. Like I was at a hockey game where there was a fight that started. Oh wow! And I stepped in the middle, probably foolishly, and I I I pulled two guys off each other, and I put a guy up against a wall. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so cold, just like no emotions. I saw where, you know, and maybe mm -hmm. I was being stupid and maybe I was about to get the shit kicked out of me. Um, but I, I kind of just like, well, this is what has to happen. I had a guy up against the wall. I, yeah. had, I knew where his hands were, you know, um, and it was really funny. Security came up pretty quickly. Yeah. And they went, okay. And they knew I wasn't right. fighting, you know, uh, so they didn't try to have something like, okay, let him go. We got him. And it took me a, a little while to let go. And I slowly took my hands off of him. They said, okay, thank you, sir. You know, and, yeah. I, and I walked away and I was completely calm. I was with my in-laws, by the way. Mm -hmm. So my, my father-in-law was just like, what is wrong with you? Because he thought I was an insane person for right. doing this, which maybe is true looking at it as an older guy now. I don't know. People like, always complain that people don't get involved. Yeah. I, yeah. And we're walking them, you know, it was at, a, at the LA Forum mm -hmm. at the hockey game and we're walking out in the big parking lot and I was totally fine and calm. And about 40 seconds, a minute later, my hands started to shake. Yeah. I started to feel sick to my stomach because the adrenaline had, had, you know, I was having Worn the aftermath yeah, yeah. of the adrenaline. Yeah. It was, it was a great, but I remember, I could so distinctly remember of being just completely mm -hmm. emotionless and cold mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm Will Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the statement I'm trying to make. Right. Because what he does is wipes them out. Yep. And Bill has gone down. And at the end, Beauchamp says, oh, you killed five men. But I seem like you could have been more than that. I don't Probably. know how many. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he and Will says, any man don't want to get killed better clear out of the back. Yeah. And they do. Yep. And Will walks over to the bar, pours himself a drink. Yep. And reloads his shotgun. Yeah. And Beauchamp comes out going, I've been shot because there's a guy's blood on him. He's not been shot. You ain't been shot. And he says he's not armed. And Will asks him to get him the rifle, the Spencer rifle, which he does. He starts loading it up. Yeah. And Beauchamp's just dealing with what he just saw. You killed little Bill. And it says, I'm a writer. Letters and such, you know, books. And Beauchamp's still going, you killed five men single-handedly. And the what the character of Will is doing at this moment, mm -hmm. there is no emotion there at all. Right. It is so scary who this person is. Yep. He has, he's having his drink. He's loading the rifle. He's just, yeah. That's what I did. It's just matter of fact. It is so matter of fact. Beauchamp won't let it go because he's and he starts to find a little bit of his gumption and says like, "Which one? How did you know Who'd who you to kill, kill first? first?" And he said, "What? what why is it? Well, when faced with superior numbers, a gunfighter goes, I've always been lucky in the order, I guess. But I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. Who'd you kill first? Yes. Yeah. All I can tell you is who's going to be last. And yeah. He points the gun at him. Yeah. And the guy take and Beauchamp takes up now. And there's the difference, Steve. English Bob hires this guy to kiss his own ass. Little Bill takes over this guy to kiss his own mm -hmm. ass. Will Money kicks this guy out because he doesn't want to be profiled or biographed or whatever it is. Totally. He doesn't want anything because he's the real deal. What do you think would happen if Beauchamp didn't leave? He would have killed him. I think so too. Absolutely witnessed it. Of course he would have killed him. Because he's not a good man. No. And Beauchamp's not a good man. No, Will's not no, a good man. No, Beauchamp's not a good man. Sorry. I don't think Beauchamp's a good man oh, at all. Beauchamp's not a good man. I would have had no problem if Will had killed Beauchamp. Absolutely zero problem. Doesn't deserve killing. Well. You might not be a good man. There's all sorts. Look, there are all sorts of uh, Beauchamp types in Hollywood. He is. Exactly. 
There are tons. Enough of said them. there. I don't believe they deserve to be killed. Well, that's your that's your opinion. Run tarred and fe- feathered and run out on a rail, <laughs> maybe. But Little old brother justice is what you're saying. That, that might be fine. <laughs> um, and what else is going on is he's pouring his whiskey and talking to Beauchamp and loading his rifle. Little Bill starts to cock his gun. He's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. Mm. It's amazing to me that Will didn't check. Um, I don't think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess. But I, but the, here's the thing: the guy that we met that was hallucinating with the fever, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was afraid of dying. Right. Is this guy afraid of dying? No, not even a little. Not even thinking about it. Nope. We all got it coming. We all got it coming. And uh, Bill makes his move yeah. as best it is, and Will stops him, steps on that hand, and he stands over him in this great, great low angle shot. Rifle aimed right at Bill. Both double barrels. Yeah. Oh, double barrel right on Bill's face. And Bill says, I don't deserve this. I was building a house. Yeah. <laughs> he just deserves got nothing to do with it. The thing is, Bill doesn't think he deserves it. I so, think he's convinced He's convinced himself that he's course. the sheriff doing the right thing. Yeah, because his know? foundation is as hollow as that house is. Yeah. Wow, well said. That's a great, great point. Yeah. Yeah, his foundation is as as hollow as the house. Yeah. Exactly right. And Bill says, I'll see you in hell, white money. Will cocks the rifle. Yeah. It is slow. It's, he measures him yeah. to torture him yeah. for what he did to Ned and then pulls the trigger. There's this moment that I think is so good directing. It's such good acting, which is it's so much time that Bill takes a breath. Yeah. Almost like maybe he's not going to kill me. And then that's when he kills him. That's the torture there. Oh, uh, amazing. <laughs> he kills one guy as he's walking out. Oh, so great. Just completely the cold guy Stupidly grunted. Yeah. And, and then yells. All right, I'm coming out. Any man I see out there, I'm going to kill him. Any some bitch takes a shot at me. Not only going to kill him, I'm going to kill his wife. All his friends. Burn his damn house down. <laughs> Which I 100% believe him. Oh, of in course. This moment. That yes. is what he would do. Right. Um, so does that deputy who's out there. Yeah. Yeah. He walks past Ned's body and, the, and people are saying, shoot him. Yeah. Shoot him. And there's that deputy who's he's got like, the rifle and he's got a beat on him. Yeah. And he does not shoot him. Nope. He's like, you do it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And Beauchamp is out there and he's looking through his rain soaked glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You better bury Ned right. You better not cut up no otherwise harm no horse. Or I'll come back and kill every one of you sons of bitches. <sighs> that that guy is scary. Yep. He is he it's it's so funny. For this last 15 minutes of the film, mm-hmm. he is as scary to me as Hannibal Lecter is when he when he escapes. That's fair. You know, he is just like a a killing machine. Well, and it's the second time he's been an avenging angel in a movie because in uh, High Plains Drifter, same mm. thing. Oh, totally. Comes yeah. out of the haze, makes that whole town pay for what yep. they did to the sheriff and him, yep. and then leaves. Yep. And uh, the women come out and look at him as he goes, and he rides off into very, very dark mm. darkness where you can see like a fire in the background and barely see the outline of him. Yeah. You know, and it is because we don't get to know who that is. Right. I mean, this is, uh, and then we again have that shot yeah. of 
beautiful sunset and the tree in the house. Mm -hmm. And the text that comes on the screen is so odd to me. Whenever I watch this film alone in mm -hmm. my place or anywhere, and I'm by myself, I do the voiceover for that text every single time. Oh, yeah? Every single time. Because I want to achieve what David McCullough oh, achieves sure. in the Civil the, War the documentary yeah. and other documentaries that he's done because he's the perfect person to read that. Yeah. To read that text. I think the text is written as a Western would write it. And I think that's what was so great about it. Do you, do, do you have the text? Can you do this for us? <laughs> I don't know. Are you serious? That's a bit putting me on the spot, but... Um, I if, if, I had the t if I had the text, I would have you do it. Yeah? It's funny you should say something. Wow. That's a, that's a big TV. I might have it queued up. Am I, I don't know if I'll get in trouble. For what? Because oh. it's the text, right? Are we allowed to? You mean of the, of the podcast where I've been putting clips of the movies in <laughs> for like two years? Good point, Steve. Good point. Some years later, Mrs. Ansonia Feathers made the arduous journey to Hodgman County to visit the last resting place of her only daughter. William Money had long since disappeared with the children. Some said to San Francisco, where it was rumored he prospered in dry goods. And there was nothing on the marker to explain to Mrs. Feathers why her only daughter had married a known thief and murderer, a man of notoriously vicious and intemperate disposition. Anyway, uh, that was great. It. Did you enjoy that? I did. I thought it was really, really good. Unsettled him. Um, do it on the spot like that. Sorry. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, what's funny is, is that I think that, that last bit of voiceover yeah. points to... Or the last bit of text. You mean. I'm sorry. No, from now on, <laughs> to my mind, it will always be you doing the voiceover. It's very kind. That of last bit of information yeah. totally frames, I think, what is a lot of the essential question of the movie, which is... Mm -hmm. The distance between the perception and the reality, which is that the mom coming back will never understand why her daughter married this person who was supposed to be this thing. Yeah. But the daughter must have seen something else. Right. She must have seen some other will mm -hmm. that she fell in love with. And then, and yet we know that that will that there is this really scary guy in Will. Yeah. And who is the real person? Yeah. And is there is there even such a thing as a real person? A real person is what we're kind of left wondering. Well, I always think there's someone that can come along and smooth the edges off of you, and yeah, you know, it, there's always that possibility. Love kind of does that, and I think that's why I like Will so much at the end of the movie because he's no longer faking the good aspects of his personality. He's now okay with the good and the bad, and he'll use them when they're appropriate. And that I think he's more of a whole person at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning. I think he is more his true self. Yeah. Um, who do you think he is after? I think... Uh, he goes back and gets his kids. Right, he gets his kids. I think he goes and prospers. I think he, he becomes successful, but I think he also doesn't get taken advantage of by anybody. And so he calls on that look and that face when he needs it, but I think he goes back into normal society and just becomes what he becomes. And I bet he never kills again. I bet he never kills again. And probably I, dies quickly, soonly, soon after, because he's not, he's not that young. Those kids are pretty young yeah. for a guy that old. 
So, well, you know, guys can do that. Yeah, I guess so. But like, that's what I think. I think, and, and the mother can, it's interesting. The mother comes down and tries to find all the answers. That makes sense. Maybe the mother was a bit overbearing, a bit pushy. And this one, this Angela, or I'm sorry, his, his wife ran away from that kind of situation to be with a man mm. where she felt protected. So mm. he was, you know, he was, yes, he was this thing that could kill at any moment, but he was also, he, she knew he was, she was safe with him because he could protect her no matter what. It's so interesting because this movie starts after a really fascinating story is three years old. Yes. Which is that it, that the story of this cold blooded, really scary drunken killer mm-hmm. meeting this woman who he loves so much right. that she changes him into being a pig farmer. Yeah. Yeah, and her the memory of her is so powerful that years later he's still trying to be true to it. Yeah, yeah. that is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And this movie goes, that's the past. Yeah, we're not going to really go into it. And for me, it's funny. I don't. I I literally his future is totally empty to me. Mm. I don't know where he goes. Oh, interesting. I don't know if he is continues to drink and be scary, or if he, oh, yeah, you know, or if he becomes an upstanding citizen and and is more unified in his character hmm. i i don't know what his kids find out right. I, I don't know what happens to him you know and maybe it's because the ending to me is so powerful mm-hmm. in its ambiguity and it's really funny one of the big differences with this in taxi driver is the taxi driver has a whole other thing that happens after the shooting right which makes you feel more uncomfortable yeah whereas this just goes like if travis bickle had walked out yeah after killing the uh, you know, and that was the end and left the prostitute mm-hmm. behind. Well, that would be more like this. And left the city behind. Yeah. And by the way, I find, well, I don't know. I don't know who I'd rather hang. I don't want to hang out with either Will or Travis Bickle. They both, I mean, Travis Bickle is a really crazy, disturbing person. I would so. never hang out with Travis Bickle. No. I've met a few Travis Bickles yeah. in my time and in certain other areas recently, and I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. But uh, money I would hang out with way over Travis Bickle. Well, and I would say that money is way more dangerous than Travis Bickle. Absolutely sure. He'd wipe Travis Bickle out. Yes. The movie obviously is a big hit. Mm-hmm. It uh, is nominated for a whole bunch of Oscars, uh, wins for Best Picture, uh, Best Supporting Actor for Gene Hackman. Yeah. Uh, Eastwood doesn't win for Best Actor, um, and it wins for uh, Director and Editing. Yeah. Isn't that Forrest Gump year or whatever, or was it, or Philadelphia? I forget what it is. This is 92, or 90, okay. it's, it came out in 92 and the Oscars are 93, so I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know what it, what it was up against. Okay. I should have looked that up. No worries. And it is one of those, it's, it's funny, it is one of those haunting, iconoclastic movies, and it's also one of those movies that we hear all the time where it's like, oh, maybe the Western's going to come back. No. <laughs> I don't think the Western's ever going to come back. Not in the, the way, way it was before. No. no. Because it used to be that the Western was a solid genre and mm-hmm. 20-something percent of movies would be Westerns. Yeah. And now the Western is, seems to be a location. Mm-hmm. You know? And occasionally we'll do a mo- movie set in the West. But I do think over the last few years, Westerns are slowly starting to come back. We have two Westerns coming. As we're recording this, two Westerns are coming out in mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks. Sister Brothers and then another oh, one right. that I can't remember with the name of. Um, and we've had Bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell. We had uh, recently Godless on Netflix, which was a right. ten episode western, and so and then the Battle of Lefty Brown, which was also on Netflix. So I think westerns are slowly making a comeback, and I think it's because um, what's happened in our society over the last ten years is we want to kind of go back to that time where there was good and evil, and and evil got punished by good, and good won right. out, and the black and white that standard black and white hat thing. Yeah. 
uh, was is real and is something that will come back again. We want it to come back again because the world is so gray and ambiguous, which is ironic when we're talking about this film, which is so gray and complicated and, yeah. and, and at times ambiguous. The world is so much like that now that we want to go back to that old time when we knew who who was good and who was evil and good could conquer evil no matter how what the odds were, you know. And so I think that's why the westerns are slowly making a comeback, as you know, as well. I don't know. I like westerns yeah, a lot. I love um, them. Yeah, and obviously. it's funny. I, by the way, I think this movie the the biggest legacy of this movie is that this movie establishes Clint Eastwood as a director yep. in a way it hadn't before, even though he had directed a bunch of movies sure, before sure. this that were successful, mm-hmm. is that I think it was more the perception of, oh, it's Clint Eastwood directing himself in a movie. He's a workmanlike director. Right. Um, and I think this movie, people went, oh, no, he's a real director. And of course, since then, we've had Mystic River and Million Dollar Baby yeah. and uh, American Sniper and... Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima and a lot of movies mm-hmm. that are really good and some movies like most directors that aren't very good. Well, and Bridges of Madison County, which Bridges I think of Madison is a decent County. film for his direction. Yeah, um, I, I I think and and a fantastic performance from Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think he is show. Oh, and Gran Torino, that's another one. Oh yeah, Gran Torino. That is I enjoy a really that good movie. movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, <laughs> but it definitely is a really good movie. Fair enough. And and uh, Eastwood, it, it's like I said. His whole attitude towards directing, that's what I try to teach. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ones, and this I got from Hoover that he says Eastwood said, is directing is time management. Is that directing is all about efficiency and organization and working with a team. And hopefully the team is really talented. It's like the whole great artist stuff, the Kubrick and mm-hmm. all those things. And I totally admire those directors. I don't think I, I can't teach that. Yeah. But what I can teach is working well with the people, caring about the people you're working with, mm-hmm. giving them a chance to do their express themselves right. having fun on the set apparently eastwood sets there's always lots of laughter and and joy and that's what making movies should making movies is really hard if it's yeah, miserable i agree um do you have final thoughts have we reached this point <laughs> here's my final thought if you haven't seen this movie in a while please rewatch it um it it works still 2018 is it, it still holds up still a fantastically powerful western and you may find yourself on different sides of this debate as you watch the movie as well is will right to do what he's supposed to do do the right people get killed should they be killed um but i think it's the exploration and the journey of one man's uh coming to terms with the stuff he'd done in his past and maybe some of you who are listening struggle with coming to terms with what you've done in the past and maybe you'll have your own unforgiven journey to go on where you figure out that like what happened in the past, as long as you've atoned for it or done something to atone for it, um, you can find some peace and solace with that as long as you don't repeat those patterns again. And you can become a more whole person and understand that was that time and you are not defined by that time. And I think that's what's so great about the movies at the end. Even the way he's walking up to the grave at the end in the last uh, shot he is uh, he is striding powerfully towards the grave uh, in a way that is equal. Whereas at the beginning of the movie, when you see him pitching or you know doing the axe and whatever, he is like uh, he is more of a hunched position. And when he goes to do the flowers before he leaves, when we see him do that, uh, he is a little more uh, in a submissive position. But he's more powerful at the end because he's embraced who he really is, thanks to her. 
And so that's that to me is Wait, all. thanks to her? Yeah, thanks to her because of her memory that showed him he could be a better person. And I think when he goes on this journey, he carries that memory with him. That, and by the end, when he's gone through all the things he's gone through, killed all the people he's killed, he still knows that he has that gear within him, but he's also this other person that his wife helped him discover about himself. And so he can be both and unified, in my opinion. He's a unified character. So that's, those are my final thoughts uh, with the movie, is that he comes out a better person than when he went in. It's funny how different our interpretations mm. of this is. Because to me, he's betrayed everything that she wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's drinking and killing people. So, but it also goes, we don't actually know her. You know, or what we what she thinks. And this points to, for me, the power of the movie is in its ambiguity. It's like, for me, I get to the end and go, I don't know what to feel about this. I, I, I Bill was a bad guy. And, mm-hmm. and so that was good that he killed him. Right. But the series of events is so brutal and so... And I think it's because, as you say, the movie is so gray, mm-hmm. you know, is that what we want and what the Schofield kid believes is a black and white construction of the universe in which he is the badass, you know, right. character. Right. And that what the movie deconstructs throughout is goes, oh, it's not like that. It's not simple. Mm-hmm. Strawberry Alice has got a, a, a stone to grind or, mm-hmm. you know, that she's grind, yeah. an axe to grind. I couldn't come up with that metaphor. <laughs> uh, she's got an axe to grind. She's angry. And so that devalues it. And the kid came in and offered the horse trying to make up for what had happened, trying to apologize in some way. And then there's so many things within the film, you know, as we, as we expose all these facades of all these characters, particularly English Bob. Mm-hmm. And then that we see as even in, in exposing English Bob for being pompous and arrogant, that little bill is showing his own arrogance and his own desire to have things and that, and that what the character of will who I think at the moment that we see him at the end would kill anybody. He would kill women and children in that moment. That's what I see. Really? He says that he would. And you said that he would too. Uh, he said back then. No, he said, he said, he said, if anyone tries to shoot at me, I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to kill your wives. I'm going to burn your house down. Oh. And I asked you, do you think he would do that? And you said, yes. I think in that moment, what he's saying, Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I misunderstood what you were asking me. Do I think in that moment that he would do it, kill those people? Yes. Do I think in that moment he would go after women and children and burn their houses down? No. See, I don't believe that. I don't know. No? And that, that, yeah. And this is, well, in this point, so this, is, this is the ambiguity of the film, mm-hmm. is that the film to me is about violence begetting violence, mm-hmm. and it's about the gray areas within our souls between who we pretend to be yeah. and who we really are. Mm-hmm. And and part of it with Will is like there's there's an interpretation which is that he becomes unified, mm-hmm. that the person, the upstanding person who he is trying to become to please his wife joins with the killer and uses the power of the killer to do the right thing, mm-hmm. which I think what your interpretation yeah. is. There's also, I think my interpretation is more that he gets pushed to a certain point that he becomes that killer again Mm -hmm. you know the the guy who would kill anybody again and the fact that he's aimed at some bad people is good but the his internal nature maybe not so much and and you know i don't know i i i I think i'm left more not condemning will as a bad guy but more like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this i think that's how i feel at the end So that is what we think. <laughs> we disagree on, but think, yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what? I mean, look, 
John and I have very similar tastes in movies. Yes. We both love this movie, mm-hmm. but our experience of watching it is really different. Yeah. And that's part of what makes it a great film. And part of what makes it fun to talk about on the cinephiles too. Absolutely. And we would love to hear what you think. We always want you to visit us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for the cinephiles. Of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes mm-hmm. or through YouTube or Stitcher or a whole bunch of other places. Please leave a review. We recently got past 500 reviews on iTunes. We're so happy for that. Thank but you. I feel like we should have a thousand. <laughs> There are a whole bunch of you out there. It's that never enough for you, Steve-O. Never will be. Never will be. You should wait to see where I get mean drunk when I'm going to ask for <laughs> There you go. But are for, you still a good person? Uh, I do. I think I am still. A, I think. I Well, you've seen me drunk many, many times. That's true. I think I'm mostly the same. You're a very nice person. Just, yes. just kind of louder. <laughs> but mostly the same. I don't understand angry drunks. I've known a few people who you oh. get the fourth drink in them and they're like ready to throw a chair through the wall. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I've been an angry drunk when I was younger. I haven't been an angry drunk in decades, two decades. I don't at get least. it. Well, I go like, well, why would you want to do that? Yeah. That doesn't seem like fun at all. You're working stuff out. Stuff comes up when you're drunk that you thought you put away. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's I just get I, that's kind the only of thing I would sillier and I ask uh, strange questions of you people. Do, which are fun. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but we digress. <laughs> um, if you want to, uh, support us, you can do so on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the cinephiles, where you too can suggest a movie you, you, you would like us to do. Maybe you can find another one for John and I to disagree on <laughs> that will make it even more fun. And of course you can always reach me on Twitter at SR Morris, John, where could they reach you? you? You can always reach me, uh, at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram and see all the, um, yeah, see all the shows I'm working on hosting and what have you. Um, I was trying to find this message. Maybe I can find it real quick. I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, is it? Yes. Michael Ruggeri. A big shout out. Thank you for this incredible message. And a shout out to your two teenage boys who are listening to us. Uh, who listen, who You send this incredibly beautiful message about how we show you that we are role models. Because we just talk about this film. And then when we disagree, we disagree respectfully. And I hope this... Uh, film and the way we disagree on it gives you you and your kids even more uh, evidence that there is a way to disagree about movies without becoming disagreeable. And so I thank you very much for your powerful message that you sent us. And I, th- I would like to speak for Steve and say we're more than honored that we can influence you and your kids in any way uh, at all that's positive. How dare you speak for me? I 100% disagree <laughs> with you. And the cinephile is over. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, thank you. That's a really nice message. And yeah. come on, people. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's just a movie. <laughs> we might not, it, it, you know, yeah. we both a movie we both love. Like, how much disagreement are we going to do? That's a really nice message. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I think that's it for this week. We will see, see you next time for another great film on the cinephiles. <laughs>